Thanks, Tori. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Robert. Well, uh, we do have some visitors here, so if you don't know me, I'm Robert Norris. I'm one of the elders at church here, so it's my privilege to come and share the talk today. Mike, I wonder if you could come up and maybe just grab a grab a microphone quickly. Yeah, Mike, you, you. Yeah, 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 come on up, come on up. Don't be shy. I'm a very shy person. Hey, uh, in the prayer meeting this morning, you you had a real you had a picture of you felt what God was going to mm. um, wanted to do today with people. Would you mind just sharing that? I felt it was a really prophetic word for us. So if you if you um, can share that, that'd be great. Um, I first actually it was actually Brenda she prayed and then something sparked off there about you know God opening doors, and I saw like our heart was like a um, a huge mansion. Um, with many rooms in it, with many doors, and um, there's a key for every door. And guess what? <laughs> a lot of the doors, uh, we'd actually given the Lord the key and, and open up, and he had the freedom in, in those rooms. Um, but there's a few doors there that we haven't let him in yet. And um, I, I, felt, um, um, I felt the Lord was going to, you know, he was, there was going to be a real light Light and the love of God was going to, um, um, you know, like a a um, God encounter conversations around opening those doors, and God was going to give us the grace to open because when we let Him in there, it's much better, isn't it? If we do it ourselves. And, and there was a um, scripture you started that whole thing off with. Do you remember which one? With the Genesis. Yep. In Genesis. It talks about how, you know, there was chaos and darkness over the face of the earth and how the, the Spirit of God came and God said, let there be light. And there was light, there was order. <laughs> there was order. And so letting God's light and love and word in our hearts gives us life. Peter, Peter said, you know, he said to the Lord, where else, Lord, can we go? Your words are spirit and life. Man, I could start preaching here. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So this morning I want to continue on from uh, the talk I shared last week. And in the book of Revelation, uh, there's a lot of description in there around God's throne room, what, what's there. And um, it talks about how there is a rainbow, the colour of an emerald around the throne of God. And it talks about how there is lightnings and thunderings. And it talks about that there is over a hundred million angels yes. in the throne room of God. But it also talks about a sea of glass as clear as crystal. And one of the things that I like to think about that sea of glass, now this isn't in the Bible, but it's, it doesn't mean to say that it's not true either. You, it's, it's entirely up to you whether you want to take it. The principle behind what I'm saying, I think, is, is valid though. And, and the way that I picture that sea of glass, when, when, I, when I think about it, is that it is like the most advanced TV screen ever. And it is you know, quite significantly huge. I mean, you're talking about a fairly big room that can hold a hundred million angels as well as us yeah. in there. 
So it, it is significantly large. And what, what, what I imagine is that it sh as, as you walk over the sea of glass, it's like you're looking into all aspects of history. And you can see from the beginning to the end as you go through. And you could walk to a spot on the sea of glass and you could look down and you could see us here today. And, you, and, and as we, you know, we are limited in what we can do, we're not, we're not God, but we, so we could be standing there and we can look down specifically at this and we can see us here, we can see each one of us sitting here listening to the talk today, experiencing God, worshipping, and, and we can see how that's relevant in the whole scheme of things. But God is so much bigger, he's infinite, he's universal, he, he, he can be anywhere and everywhere, so he can look at the whole thing at once. So God is looking down here at us today. He's looking at us today. He's seeing each one of us here. And he knows exactly what's going on. And he looks at us with such incredible, powerful love. Saying that each person here is significant. He's got, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose for each one of us. He's got a good, pleasing, and perfect will for each one of us. And as he's looking here and his love is welling up in his heart as he looks at each one of us about what the possibility and the capacity for each one of us is, at the same time, he's looking right at the foundation of the world. Right at the very start. And he's thinking about you there and he's looking right at the foundation of the world and he's thinking that the very seeds that need to be planted in that very first instant of time where he creates the world so that you can exist over there, a place in that very point. And God starts with saying, let there be light, which I found it really significant that Mike brought that out in the prayer meeting. God says, let there be light. And in those four words, the very seed of your existence was planted. The very thought about your potential was placed there. And and when, when the, God says, let there be light, light speaks of revelation. It speaks of being able to see. And God wants uh, us to be able to see him and to be able to see who he is. And God wants to, us to see our potential and our identity and who he created us to be. And that, that there is so much more that we can become because he designed us and he actually thought about us before the foundations of the world. And he's looking at you right now and saying, you're pretty cool. You're pretty cool. Yes. And theologians say that for any great um, doctrine in the Bible, the, the very foundation of that doc doctrine, doctrine you can find in the first few chapters of the Bible, in the first few chapters of Genesis. And you know, our identity, the importance of our identity is one of those foundational doctrines. And if you have a look at uh, Genesis 1.27, we're going to get a couple of verses up here. I found these really fascinating and interesting, that, that when God made man, he said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So if you're a male here today, or if you're a female here today, God created you in his image as part of the identity in Christ that we can own. But there's a really interesting thing that happened when the devil came along to tempt Eve. 
What does he attack? He actually attacks her identity. And you have a look at the verse in, in 3, chapter 5. Um, the devil's saying to, to Eve, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Hang on. How did God create her? Like God. So the devil comes along and says, actually, you're not really like God, but if you do this, you can be like God. The devil attacking his identity. And so for each one of us here, that is the same thing has happened right from when we were born right through. We've had the devil robbing us, stealing, destroying our identity of who God really created us to be. And he's got so much more for us. He's got a plan for every one of us, a good, pleasing, perfect plan. And he wants to call us in. He wants to reveal that to us. He wants to speak into our heart. He wants to speak into our mind. He wants to speak into our spirit and actually bring revelation about who he wants us to be. And last week I talked about how one of the ways we can do this is, or one of the ways that, or the best ways I think that God does this is through encountering him, meeting with him, hearing his voice. And and last week I talked about how, um, for me, for most of my Christian life, I thought that the way that God had made me was so that I didn't really have God encounters. And it was actually a problem with my belief system. And God needed to actually come in and actually change those beliefs. And, and I explained how the Bible teaches that we are all designed to encounter and meet with God and to hear and speak. Yeah. And that it's because we are um, born of his spirit. Our spirit is born of his spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so we have the same spiritual DNA as the Holy Spirit. And so we are actually designed to encounter God. Just the same as a child is designed to encounter its parents. Yeah. We carry that. So it, it, you know, we can think that in theory, but actually getting it into your belief system, realizing I am designed to encounter the living God who thinks so much of me, has such great love for me. And I then talked about one of the tools that God has shown me over the last few years, which uh, I've used a lot for ministering to people, and God has also been speaking to me through that, which I call sanctified imagination, which is going on, on adventures with God in your imagination, hearing him. And, and at the end of the talk, I gave an opportunity for people to actually go through a sanctified imagination exercise. And, and I asked people to raise their hands of who actually uh, you know, experienced God meeting them and talking with them. And there a lot of people put their hands up. And there quite a few people came up to me after the service and just shared the story of what had happened to them. I thought it'd be good just to give a, a brief opportunity now for maybe two or three of you to share a story of, of you, what actually went on for you as you went through that process of, of allowing God to meet you in a favourite place. Now, you don't have to share what he said. We don't want to embarrass anyone, but maybe you can just share the experience that you went through. So do I have maybe two, perhaps at most three people who would like to just share a story of their experience last week? Robert, Robert down the back.
and even though I have to do your daily run. Um, I went back to my childhood. Um, I grew up in Ashburton and actually in Timwald uh, on Grove Street, and we had a spare section beside us that had a uh, a little stream go through it and uh, some willow trees, and one of the willow trees um, had a rope swing. And so I went back there. I actually used that sort of area when I was at architecture school to do a little design for that area because it's, uh, it's a bit of a favourite thing as a kid. Um, playing down there, but um, my imagination took me to it was it was Jesus or God swinging on that rope swing, and I was watching him, and sort of I suppose we think he's older than us, and it's a bit like for me, I got out of that the freedom he was having the you know the freedom of letting himself go and enjoying himself on a on a rope swing, and I got freedom out of that which. Um, was quite a good word. Cool. Is there one other story? Uh, down the front here, Susan. Thank you, Robert. Um, I'm only new to this church and I feel very blessed by coming here over the past month. Um, I've been really lucky in my journey with the Lord is right from the word go from when I was saved, I had an incredible, mind-blowing spiritual encounter, which I won't go into now. But um, but last week, Robert, your sermon just really moved me um, because I know that my own mother, because both me, her daughter, and my brother are very staunch Christians, as she likes to call us, we both have these encounters um, with God and we've been very blessed, but my mother doesn't have them. And I was able to go home um, and visit her at her retirement village around the corner at Nye Marsh and tell her, it doesn't mean that you have any less connection to Jesus. It doesn't mean that, Mum, you know, because I've been trying to encourage her here. And then the Holy Spirit worked even more. This just all happened one by one by one, my lovely friend Denise beside me asked me to do something else with her after I'd already bored her for another two hours, chat, 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 catching up after lunch. And I thought, no, I'm best probably to leave Denise and Robert to walk their dogs somewhere on their own. So I took myself off on my mountain bike, and mountain biking is my favourite thing. Um, and I went round both parks of Hagley Park three times, and without even realising that it was connected to what Robert had spoken about that morning, I prayed and I cried as I went through all these beautiful green leafy trees. And nobody was there because it was Labor Day. So I had these two parks to myself and I biked around them three times. That's 30k, praying and talking to Jesus. Yak, 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 with my helmet on. It was beautiful and... I was so blessed, and I know that that came directly through Robert's sermon, so thank you. Thanks, Susan. One last story. Anyone? Uh, Carl? It should work now. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, Robert's, I've been through, done this with Robert a couple of times, and um, essentially... 
I, Robert says, you know, I close your eyes, and, and by the time he gets halfway through the word imagine, I'm sitting on, the, on a bench, on a batch, on the edge, just off the edge of a of bush area, just before the beach, and um, in the distance I can hear the waves crashing and just and then the shells moving, and uh, it's it's amazing because when I go there, I, I almost instantly have Christ with me on the other rocking chair, and he always says, let's go for a walk, and he talks to me in these walks, and now it can be about anything and everything, and but it's usually pressing issues that are going on around me, or um, they might be thoughts that I'm having, or they might be ideas that I'm going through, and he'll literally show me what his ideas of those he'll, he'll he'll create on this beautiful beach a pristine beach and something will just appear on the beach and it's just amazing because it a it's just really nice and peaceful they they can be just sitting there quietly just enjoying the sounds the peaceful sounds of the day or he can be giving me imagery of what's what's before you know i'm foremost what's going on with me so yeah those um taking us through those exercises are obviously a real blessing and i really appreciate that coming out cool Thanks, Carl. So, um, so we're all designed to have God encounters, but not everyone put their hand up last week. And I did talk to one person who said that um, they didn't experience anything in their imagination, and that's okay. So a couple of quick thoughts around that. First of all, we need to be patient. For me, this is a 10-year journey, not a five-minute fix. It's been renewing my beliefs and realizing that I can encounter God on a regular basis. And uh, the sanctified imagination is something that God has really released me in and being able to do that. Now, it could be that God has something totally different for you. That he's wanting to teach you. Um, it could be, uh, you know, Simon, uh, he teaches... Uh, does a great course for those, you know, the feedback I've had around SOAP about reading the scripture and actually having God speak to you through scripture and encountering God that way. Now, again, really powerful tool of being able to encounter God. Or it could be through worship. As you're worshipping God, God just downloads stuff into you while you're doing that. They're all great tools. But the key thing is we can all encounter God. And, it, and we need to pursue it. We need to go after it. I earnestly desire meeting with God and we'll see it happen. And we are all different. We're all unique. God has wired us up all differently. But within that, he thought about us before the foundation of the world. He says, I'm going to shine light into your heart. I see you here. I absolutely love you. I want to meet with you regularly. Let's look at another verse. Jesus said this. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This isn't a wish. This is a promise, church. Who, 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 is, who are Jesus' sheep? Raise your hand if you think you're one of Jesus' sheep. See those hands? Very good. Jesus said that if you're one of his sheep, you will listen to his voice. And that word listen, it basically means this, you will hear him speak to you. You will hear Jesus speak to you if you're one of his sheep. 
Now, if you're struggling at the moment, you're saying, well, I am one of his sheep, but I'm not hearing Jesus speak to me. It doesn't necessarily mean to say that you're not one of his sheep. It just means that's a promise that you can go after. That's something that you can actually pursue God for and see change take place in your life. And I, I find it just, just a little bit aside on this, you know, that, that little phrase there, they follow me. The actual imagery in the, in the, in the Greek there, around the, the words that are used there, it's not one where you've got uh, the leader out in the front and you're just obediently going along behind. The word there in the Greek, is, it implies that you're journeying on a road together. That's what the word used for follow means. So it actually has an implication of like a, a, a master and a disciple walking side by side down a road, doing life together, and in doing that life, they actually, the disciple learns from the master. So today, the point I want to bring out is that um, not only are we designed to encounter God, we are also positioned to encounter God. We are positioned to encounter God. Ephesians 2, 4, verse 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. C.S. Lewis was, uh, was one of the great theological writers of last century. I think every, every Christian who is wanting to um, develop their theological understanding should read his writings. Uh, his mere Christianity, his screw-tape screw letters. His, um, he, he wrote a, a little-known series called the Palandria um, series, which I found really fascinating. But uh, one of, he's most famous for the Narnia series, which is jam-packed full of theology that kids can understand. He wrote it really well. And it's a seven-book series, and I've read them to all of my kids um, when they were when they were young. Got to get the theology into them when they're young. <laughs> and one of my favourite ones is the last one called "The Last Battle," and it goes through this whole experience where where evil seems to be overcoming overcoming good, and it's all centred around a stable, a small stable, or the door going into it, and and towards the end of the book. The, the Narnia world, as it was known, comes to an end, and everyone ends up going through this stable door and, and looking at Aslan, who is a representative of Jesus, or, or a description of Jesus, and depending on whether they were uh, believed in him or not, they either went one way or they went on in. And so the, the, the main characters that follows them, and as they, as they continue on up into the new world, they keep going, we need to go further up and further in and further up and further in. And as the further up and the further in they go, they find they're getting from, uh, they realize they're actually in a new Narnia, and then they're in even a more new Narnia, then they're even a more new Narnia, and every time they're going further up and further in, everything is getting more and more real. 
and in comparison, the, the Narnia that they thought was real was, was almost insignificant. And, you know, heaven, I think, is just so much more real than we believe or understand. It is, it is we, because we're sitting in this uh, aspect, you know, we're down on this planet, you know, we have this concept that heaven is something vague and it's sort of out there and it, you know, one day we will get there. But I think heaven is more real than this earth. And we are positioned in heaven, in Christ. When you think about it, um, Jesus, after his resurrection, the disciples were in a locked room and Jesus entered the room while it was locked. How did he do that? Have you ever pondered that? Did he just um, materialize out of thin air? It's possible. The Bible says that he entered the room. Now, my, my pet theory is that because Jesus was now in his resurrected body, that resurrected body is more real than what exists here on earth. And so effectively, because of the, the reality, the, the substance that was there, walking through a wall was like the wall was a hologram in comparison and able to enter in. Heaven is more real. And friends, we are positioned there. And because we're positioned there, we are positioned for encountering, meeting God and hearing God. We are here on earth and we are also in heaven. Understanding it is one thing. Living out of that reality is another. As we go about our day, whatever we do, wherever we go, not are we positioned in that location in a physical sense, we are also positioned in heaven at the same time. Wherever we are on this planet, heaven is with us. We carry God's presence with us because we are present with him in heaven, in Christ. We are in Christ and his spirit is in us here on earth. And this is brilliant for any problem that we face or involved with. We have the solutions from heaven available to us. I think that's what Jesus meant when he told us to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our spiritual positioning in heaven means that we can receive from heaven and our physical positioning on earth means that we can release heaven's solutions on earth. You know, I find that incredibly encouraging. During a sanctified imagination time, Jesus led me down some stairs to a basement full of rooms with locked doors. Jesus explained that behind each door were blessings, giftings, or opportunities waiting to be unlocked. And many were waiting for the right time uh, for the Father to unlock them for me. But Jesus explained to me that there are a number of doors which the Father had unlocked, but I had relocked. Yeah. 
And so I was missing out on the blessing or the gifting or the opportunity because I'd relocked that door. I'd sealed it away from my experience. And so initially I thought that was just for me and, and Jesus was encouraging me to step more into all that he had for me. But uh, later on I started ministering to a, a person and I really felt a strong prompting from the Spirit to share this uh, sanctified imagination experience with them. So I talked them through it and they went through that in their imagination and they found that Jesus was speaking some really helpful stuff for them they shared afterwards you see I had received from heaven and I, through that I was able to help a situation on earth with someone else where they encountered Jesus as well and received answers for their problems and you know, in a similar way I've received answers from heaven for my business for my family for my role as an elder in this church in all sorts of situations and understanding our positioning is key to understanding how powerful we are. So often we feel inadequate, unable to influence and change situations and environments around us. Now we can be like the 10 spies. Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. Two of them came back with a really powerful report, uh, Joshua and Caleb, and they went on to eventually go in and take and possess the land. The ten spies came back with, the Bible says, with an evil report. And that what they said is that they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes and they were inadequate and unable to actually go and take the promises that God had for them. They were actually unable to go and fulfill the destiny. They were unable to go and fulfill the calling. They, they had a problem with their identity. And because of that, they missed out. But God wants to call you out of those situations and call you into your future. He wants to bring that revelation to you and actually say you are more than what you think. You carry more influence than what you think. You're more powerful than you think. You are positioned in heaven to receive from heaven and to release on earth. We are positioned for influence. John 7, if you can have that verse up. Thanks, Bradley. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the, river, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus said that streams of living water will flow from out of us, from within us and out, if we believe in Jesus. And that is powerful imagery from about heaven being released on earth. Streams of living water. Where else do we see living water? The river of life. And when you read Revelation 22, the river of life flows from the throne room of God. Where are we positioned? We're positioned in heaven, in Christ, Christ sitting on his throne, from the throne flows rivers of living water out of us as we believe in Jesus and follow him and hear his voice. Streams of living water flow out of us, able to bring life into situations around us, see the world impacted. We have influence, we can bring change because we are positioned in heaven and receive from heaven and able to release it on earth. We carry the authority because we are positioned 
in Christ. At one of the recent Total Praise evenings, I was uh, having a sanctified imagination time and I was lying down here in the front, sort of just completely oblivious to what else was going on as, as I was spending time with, uh, with the Father this time. And uh, I was in God's throne room and I felt God invite me to come uh, up with him as he was sitting on his throne, throne and to sit on his lap. So I, 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 I climbed up there and just as I was sitting down, just as my bum was about to sit on the lap, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how else to say it. onto God's lap, suddenly I found myself sitting into a rocking chair. And the whole scenery had changed. And I was actually a little bit like what Carl described. I was actually sitting in a rocking chair on a veranda of a batch up on a mountainside looking out over a dense bush and I could see out into the distance the coastline and the sea there. And, and as I looked beside me, I saw there was nothing, another rocking chair there and the father was sitting there. And I said, scratched my head in my imagination, I said, I thought I was sitting on your lap. And I felt God say to me, you're so three-dimensional. <laughs> and God said, I, I want you to understand that being positioned in me doesn't mean to say that you're just locked in one place. But, the, but as God, I am everywhere. And so wherever I am, you are. And the power and the authority that you have by being in me means that in wherever you are, you have it. And I felt God say, that, that especially applies to the area of healing. That you carry that because you're in me. And my authority goes with you wherever you go. And I said, oh, that's, that's really good. I think I get that. So do you mind if I do a little test with you, God? If what you're saying is true and you're really like speaking, and this is you really speaking to me about this, then you should be able to reveal someone to me in this auditorium who is in pain and you want to heal, and you should be able to tell me what's wrong with them and see them healed. And he said, fair enough. So uh, I, I got up and I started walking around, and as I was walking around the auditorium, uh, Charles Baxter was standing uh, just behind the back row there and I, I sensed to go up to Charles and as, as I got up beside him, I, I know Charles pretty well normally if I'm going to pray for someone I ask permission first but um, I, I got the sense to actually pray for his stomach so I just went up there, I put my hand on his stomach and I started declaring health and wholeness over the stomach in Jesus name and what I saw was you know, powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit he was, he was hardly able to stand up he was shaking and all sorts of things going on um, and, and you know, I thought, well, that's all fairly cool. I talked to Charles afterwards, and he said, I hadn't told anyone. And he said, what? He said, the last four days, I've been suffering from severe stomach pain, and I hadn't told anyone. He said, I was in agony standing there. And as, as, as you put your hand on my stomach and started praying for it, I felt all this goose sort of starting from the legs and coming up and going out through the top of my, my head, and, and there's no pain, it's gone. And uh, I caught up with him a couple of weeks later and he said, you know, I tried eating all these foods which were aggravating it uh, after I left over the next few days and there's no pain, it's gone. <laughs> he said, I was, I was 
I was planning on going to the doctor on Monday, which I didn't really want to do because it was just so bad. I don't have to. Now, I had received from heaven and been activated with the authority I have by being in Christ, brought heaven down to earth, and Charles was healed. So we're designed and positioned for God encounters, to meet God and hear him speak to us. As we do this, the revelation that God brings will continue to make us into the person he designed us to be, and it will empower us to walk in the authority he has already given us, bringing heavenly solutions to earthly problems. Is that good? Would you like to do another exercise? So if we can get the band to come up, please. This is one of my favorite exercises. I love going into God's throne room. In Revelation 22, it describes uh, in God's throne room that there is the river of life flowing from the throne of God. And uh, on each side grows the tree of life bearing fruit every month of the year. And the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. Um, In Revelation, it describes that, you know, you don't need any sun or anything because the light of God is always there. Uh, God's revelation, being able to bring truth to you. And so we're just going to have a little bit of um, soaking music going on. For me, I find that helpful. I can't just encourage you to, to close your eyes so you're not distracted with anything. But imagine yourself up the streets paved with gold in heaven towards God's throne room. There can be buildings, mansions on either side as you're walking up there. You walk up to the throne room and there's a huge wooden door. There's, the Bible describes various stones, um, which all represent different things. But you come up to the door and, and one of the, in, in heaven, doors and gates open through thanksgiving. So as you get there, I just want you to start thanking Jesus for who he is, the things he's done, for his provision, for his goodness, for his love towards you, for his salvation, for his protection. And as you do that, imagine that the door opens wide for you to go on in.
Jesus, we love you so much. You are the God of the universe. You thought about us before the foundations of the world. You, you have a plan, you have a purpose, you've got a good, pleasing and perfect will for every one of us. And you want us to grow into the person that you have always called us to be. Lord, you want to restore what the devil has robbed from us. Focus on Jesus.